0: You know what yes, all right let's go somebody this let's see this together father, Our father in the name of, son, jesus, name of your son jesus we receive, we receive revelation that is father christ is God God. God. there is no confusion there is no, there is no, there is no contradiction in these atm- in this atmosphere. we build you as we you. see ourselves, see ourselves in, him. in him your name alone is glorified. glorified and we are edified, I edified. Amen. Amen. amen all right it's not bad to say prayers twice, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, we can pray as much as we want to. So. <laughs> it just sounds to be with me. All right, we are starting this. We said we started a series on Dominion, taking your place in Christ. Hallelujah. You, taking your place in Christ. So, Dominion, what does this mean? Before we get into the subject matter, many of us are yet, like I said, many of us are yet to realize what Christ or what Jesus has done for us as touching. Or what he has really done for us in Christ. That is, you know, he died for our sins. One thing we we have not paid attention to as touching the redemption of Christ is that he died for our sins yesterday, today and forever. So that shows Jesus has taken care of our sins yesterday. He has taken care of our sins today. He has taken care of our sins tomorrow. So he has Paid it all up. That is why we don't use the terminology "I gave my life to Christ." We don't use that terminology. We use the terminology "I received the life of Christ." Why? Because you never had a life that you were given. You didn't have any life you were given before. The light to your heart, the devil—oh, not let me say the devil. Um, you didn't have anything. Ephesians two verse one it says, "You were you you walked according to the course of this world. You had no life." Life came when you received Christ. Tell your say, life came, life when, came you when you received Christ. So at salvation, you are not the giver; you are the receiver. Tell your say, at, at salvation, you are not, the giver you are, not the, giver, you are the giver; you are the receiver. So He is the one who gave. Jesus Christ gave at salvation. So is so we are just recipients of what we we're just recipients of what he gave us at salvation. We are just recipients of what he gave us at salvation in Romans 8 verse 32, Romans 8:32, Romans 8, verse 32, Romans 8, 32. We we we're gonna think we're gonna look at quite some some we're gonna look at quite uh quite uh some subject this morning and I I believe it's going to bless us. God, he says, it says he has spared not his own son but delivered him up for us. How shall he not, with him, also freely give us all things? So he has given us all things at salvation. Say I've been given all things at salvation. I've so been all things salvation. So at that's, that's fact. That reality must settle deep in your heart. The fact that Christ paid it all at salvation, the Christ that the, the fact that Christ gave it all at salvation, it must settle deep in your heart. It must sink in deep. In Ephesians two verse eight, Ephesians two verse eight, it says in Ephesians two verse eight very quickly. So you you will learn how to take your place in Christ. This from this morning. Look at the Ephesians it says, For by grace he has saved, true faith, and not of yourself, it is the gift of God. So, you can, So that's why it says in verse 9, it says, not of what, lest any man should boast. So, you can't boast at salvation. You can't say, oh, it is because I cried. Oh, it is because I, I, I confessed my sins. That is why I was saved. No, it is Christ who gave his life for you you received this life at salvation. So, tell your people say, I received this life. I received his life. I received this life. Like life. At salvation. At at salvation. salvation. So, so you, I want you to get this clearly. You didn't have a life before you got born again. You didn't. You were a walking dead man. You were living, you were existing, but you didn't have a life. Life came to you the very minute you believed the gospel. Life came to you the very minute you believed the gospel. So at salvation, you are not the giver; you are the receiver. So the authority, and so so that means that salvation is surrendered for you. You know that we we you know we need to sing is so high surrender of good. We can sing that in consecration service, but at salvation, He was the one who surrendered His life for you. He surrendered his life for you. He laid down his life for you. And all you just need to do is to receive it. And that is why preaching the gospel, getting men saved, getting men coming into the light of the gospel is one of the easiest things to do. Because all they just need to do is just to receive, is just to believe. You are not going to die for anyone's sins. You are not paying for anything anymore. He has paid for the sacrifices. He has paid for all the atonement you want to ever think of. He has carried all the burden on his neck. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, He that knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you and I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus at salvation. You and I can safely say, I am righteous. Are you getting what I'm saying? I can say safely, I am righteous. righteous. I am holy. I am am accepted in the beloved because of what Christ has done. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can safely tell yourself, I am not a sinner. Why? Because of what Christ has done everybody say, all have sinned, there's nobody that can be perfect, there's nobody that can be righteous, everybody is is everybody is a sinner. No, I am not a sinner. By the reason of what Christ has done, I am righteous in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, he that knew no sin became sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it is a substitutionary sacrifice such that he took our place as a sinner and we have become righteous by believing in what he has done. Hallelujah. So we're studying taking your place in Christ. Taking your place in Christ. Taking your place in Christ. Dominion. How to take your place in Christ. You know. You, you have to learn to take my place in I say, I take my place in Christ. I take my place
1: in Christ. So,
0: God, so the authority of the believer is not just important, it is necessary. MacArthur said that. MacArthur said, the authority of the believer is not just important, it is very necessary. So, God won't give you what you don't need. God is not going to give you what you don't need. It means you need authority. It means you need to take your place in Christ. It means you need to have dominion. Now, let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 17. We're going to dwell on this scripture throughout this series. Ephesians 1, verse 17. Let's go to Ephesians 1. Let's look at the Pauline prayers. The Pauline prayers are very, very few. We have a material out there called the Pauline prayers. I think we have part one, part two of that. The so of that after the service. All right, look at in Ephesians 1 verse 16. It says, Cease not to give thanks for you. Are you there? Ephesians 1 verse 16. It says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he says, So, and this is the prayer that Paul is praying for his people. Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus and is saying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of him. Now, in these prayers of Paul, you will find out that, that one that you find out that, that there is the most vital things in Christianity in this prayer, and that is knowledge. Knowledge is one of the most vital things in Christianity. It's like saying, you are relocating to a city and you have no knowledge into a place. In Colossians 1 verse 13 and 14, you made us to understand we've been delivered and translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So you and I, we relocated from darkness into light. So now that we're in the light, we are in the kingdom of God. Now that we are, in, we are, we are, we are saved, now that we are, in, we are in the light, we have believed the gospel, we have received the life of God, we are righteous, we are sanctified, we are justified, we are saved by his blood, we are washed by his blood. We need knowledge. We need to find out what more has Christ done for us. Because without knowledge, you cannot function effectively as a believer. You can't. So you will, just be, you will just be in a place, like I said, relocating to a place and not knowing exactly what to do. So it's just like you're looking, you don't know if you have to turn left, if you have to turn right. You don't, no GPS is working, nothing, no detail, no clue, nothing. You're just there. So you just, you know, you're not going to be effective in that place, right? just going to be on one spot right that is the same thing that happens to a Christian who gets born again and doesn't feed on the right knowledge a believer who feeds on the right knowledge must would be effective as a Christian he will step up higher as a Christian he would be would he would overthrow the devil so knowledge so Paul prayed. He says that the God over our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The word knowledge is from the Greek word epignosis. E-P-I-G-N-O-S-I-S. E-P-I-G-N-O-S-I-S. Epignosis. It was used 20 times and it means complete knowledge. Now let's look at where it was used. Philippians 1 verse 9. Philippians 1 verse 9. Let's open the scriptures quite fast. I'm going to open the scriptures today. Philippians 1, verse 9. It says, And these I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in what? In knowledge. You look at in Colossians 1, verse 9. Colossians 1, verse 9, you have to be fast. <laughs> this is Sunday service, a typical Bible study. Are you you know that, right?
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Col- Colossians 1, verse 9. For this course, we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge. He used the word knowledge there. Philemon 1 verse 6, quickly. Philemon 1 verse 6. Philemon 1 verse 6. He says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You see in uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 2. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. It says, that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Peter 2.20. 2 Peter 2.20. He now says, And if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through knowledge, he used the word knowledge, 2 Timothy 2.4, First Timothy, sorry, 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2, verse four it says that they will come into the knowledge of the truth Second Timothy 3.16 I love the flipping of the pages of the scriptures it's sweet Second <laughs> <laughs> so, Timothy 3.17 let's look at 7 that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished they use the word thoroughly furnished to a good world look at Romans to 2 we're just looking at a couple of places Romans 10, 1-2. looking at where knowledge was used. Romans 10. It says, look at, it says, brethren, my desire and prayer for, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. In verse 3, it says, I bear them record that they may have zeal of God not according to knowledge. So now let's look at knowledge. We said knowledge is from the Greek word what okay. epignosis and it it means complete knowledge. Epignosis means complete facts. Complete facts, like all the facts are in view. All the facts are in view. That is, you can see clearly. That is epignosis. It's like saying you can see through a glass. You can see through. It's like saying this is a mirror. You can see through the mirror and say, okay, this is it. You can. It's like it's like you can see clearly. So Paul was saying. What the Christian need is complete knowledge. And many of us don't pay attention to details. Many of us, we come, we grow, we listen, but we don't pay attention to details. So, he says, Paul was saying that as a Christian, you need complete knowledge. Complete knowledge, that is the ability to see through it clearly. You You can effectively see it clearly. So, epignosis is active knowledge. That is active knowledge. So Paul is saying that you should know definite facts. Definite facts of what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. Go back to that Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. De- definite facts. Definite facts. So as a Christian, you must have definite facts. You must be able to see through it clearly. You must be able to see it clearly. Just like how you see a water in a glass. Very clearly. That is how you must be very clear as watching the details of what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. How do you say you are a believer and you don't know what God has done for you? How do you say you are a believer and you cannot even explain what God has done in Christ Jesus for you? So look at in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Look at in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Let's look at some knowledge. Or some, some basic fact, fact. In Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So, you and I can say, I am blessed. Right? Yes, sir. Right? Can that be a definite fact? Yes, sir. Alright, look at it in verse 4. It says, according as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Can we say we are holy? Yes, yes sir. Can we say we are without blame with before him in love? Yes, can sir. we say that? Yes, Alright. Look at in verse 5. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ according to himself, according to his good talk. Can we say we've been predestinated? Yes, sir. That is basic fact for us. Look at in verse 6. It says, He had made us accepted in the beloved. So you and I can never say you are rejected. We can't use that statement anymore. We can't say, uh, nobody accepts me. No, we have been accepted in the beloved, We have been accepted in his hands. Can we say that is a definite fact? Yes, As touching what God has done in Christ Jesus for us, I am accepted in the beloved. Glory to God. Right. Look at in verse 7. It says, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Do we have forgiveness of sins? Yes, sir. You have redemption through his blood. That is what he has done for us. Definite facts. Definite facts. So you must have active knowledge. So, and don't forget when he says, you invested, when he says, blessed be God, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. A blessing is something you don't work for. A blessing is something you don't work for. So it is not material blessing here. Because a lot of people who have turned um, the gospel into a prosperity. So, turn the Bible into a prosperity uh, uh, seeking salmon and thinking they are looking for uh, what they call it, um, material prosperity. No. So, material blessing comes on believers and all non believers. It says the same in the Bible, it says in Matthew, it says the same ring that falls on the just to the same ring that falls on the unjust. So, material blessings fall on both the believer and unbeliever. So it is not a problem of if they are Christians or not. No. That's why you can see anything is being rich. You can see a, a non-believer who is very who is poor and who is rich. It's, it's, it doesn't change anything. But what we are saying as touching this blessing is that the Holy Spirit has given to us to confirm what Jesus has done. And a lot of people they just need to understand it. Now let's go back to the prayer in Ephesians 1 verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Revelation means to uncover, to uncover things. When he says the spirit of wisdom and revelation, revelation means to uncover things. That is, your eyes are open to things in the past, things in the present. Or things in the future. So, Revelation means your eyes are opened. Your eyes are opened So things in the past. Things in the present. Things in the future. Revelation is like an estuary. Like when you, it's like saying when you go inside. When you go inside what I've said, like an estuary. You just, you can see through it. So, in Revelation, you are able to look inside. You are able to see and say, this is who I am. This is what Christ has done for me. This is exactly who I am. I don't, uh, you should, as a believer, you should, you should not have a false identity of yourself. You should not have a false impression of yourself. You should not have a false image of yourself. You must have a clear identity of who you are. I am accepted in the belong. And the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been made holy by Christ. I've been justified. I've been sanctified. I am holy. I am, he has predestinated me. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I'm a preacher of the, you know, you must be able to say, I'm I'm an able minister of reconciliation. You must be able to have clear facts of who and what you are. So, in Revelation, you look inside. You have a full view of what is inside. So, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We just said revelation or cover things. And revelation in the knowledge of him. We said knowledge, epignosis. He now says, now look at what it says. It says the eyes of your understanding because your eyes are going to be opened when you have knowledge right when you have revelation your eyes is going to be open now what is your eyes going to be open to it says that ye may know the hope of his calling what is hope hope is from the greek word e- elpis it means expectation you must have as a believer what are your expectations expectation it says you must it says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know the hope The hope means expectations of his calling. That word calling it is from the Greek word Kaleo, that is an invitation to ask someone to come. An invitation to ask someone to come. You will see it used in Romans 11, 29, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Romans 11, 29, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. It was used there. So, that means God has asked us to come. It means your eyes should be open to know what to expect. When he ask you to come, it's like saying you, you were asked to come for an interview and you didn't know anything about what you applied for. You know, you're going to fail the interview, right? Right, guys? Yes, but Christ is saying He has made us to come. So that means when we come, we know exactly what we are expecting. We know exactly what to find. We know exactly what to expect. So, when knowledge comes, we know exactly what to expect. You see in Ephesians 4 verse 1, Ephesians 4 verse 1, it says, Therefore I beseech you, brethren, that I beseech you, therefore I therefore for the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the Lord, yet it's ye are called. He used the word called. You see also in Philippians 3 verse 14, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11, 2 Timothy 1, 9, Hebrews 3, 1. So and the word calling is for salvation actually. That is when you are called, you are called at salvation. The teaching I will teach you probably in mission is possible, the call of God. So calling is confident expectation. That is I have been called. It's just like as a preacher, I know I have God's call on my life. How about that for you, as a believer, that you have been called. You have been called, so we are called to see it. So, but when you don't study God's word, you would twist the scriptures to mean something else. So he says, "The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, the riches." What when it says riches here, riches isn't used for material things. Riches wasn't used for material things. It means it and because it must be qualified. If you read in Matthew thirteen verse twenty-two when it was talking about uh, riches here, it was used for material things. In Mark nine verse fourteen, Mark nine fourteen, Luke 4, 18, those places were used for material things. But in Romans two verse four. Romans 9.23, Romans 11.12, Romans 33 it was used for spiritual things. Knowledge and wisdom are called wealth. When you have knowledge, when you have wisdom, it's called riches. It's called riches because you have power. Just like this popular saying, if knowledge is power. So, in Ephesians one verse seven, also, you see in Ephesians 1, verse seven. He says, in whom we have redemption, through his blood according to the riches of his grace. Is this material? Yeah. This can't be material. This is spiritual. So, you see also in Second Corinthians 8 verse 1, they didn't have money, but they did much giving. So, the riches of the glory is in the saints. So, that's why he says in that. Go back to that verse 17. Ephesians 1 verse 17. I'm trying to explain the Pauline prayers for you so that when you are praying this on your own, you will understand what you are praying about. It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. So, when it says, riches of the glory of his inheritance, spiritual, so you must understand something. That spiritual resources are burdens in the believer. Spiritual resources are burdens in the believer, and you must know that for sure. In uh, so the riches of the glory is in the saints. That's why it says to know what is the hope of the calling, what the riches of the glory in the inheritance in the saints. Inheritance yeah. yeah, in the saints. Look at in Philippians 4, verse... Philippians four 19. We're about to get into the crux of today's matter. We're still trying to build a foundation. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, 19. You must be hungry for God's word. Hungry for knowledge. Hungry to know more. Philippians 4, 19. It says, According... says but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus can this be material obviously no you see colossians 1 verse 27 Colossians 1 verse 27 Colossians 1 27 he says to whom God make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery according to the gentiles which is in which is christ in you the whole of glory you can put this down to hebrews 11 verse 26. so now let's go back to our Ephesians 1 verse 17 18 19 20 21 that's what we're going to build our series on so don't forget we were still studying what dominion right taking your place in christ dominion taking your place in christ so he says, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in verse seventeen, the Father of glory, right, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, right, and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, right, and the riches of the glory. We said that's not material, right? Yes. We said that's not material, right? Yes, sir. All right. What is the riches of His glory? Of is he anything in the saints? Look at in verse 19. Very key, where we will trying to get to, and we'll keep building from there. Is this and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principalities, power, might, dominion, and everything that is named. Not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Greek scholars have it to say that the strongest consecration of power in the Bible is found in this text. The strongest concentration of power in the scriptures is found in this text. Now, look at it now. So, when he says that according to the riches, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? It was used six words of power was used in this text. The first one of it was dunamis. When it says, "What is the exceeding greatness of his power?" Dunamis. Power is from the Greek word dunamis, and it's used to it, it's used for something that is active, something that is active. When he says dunamis, from that word um, dynamo. I'm going to find what dynamo means. Something that is very active, that is, that is fast. So, when he says, the exceeding greatness of his power. Exceeding greatness, there is from the word upabalu in the Greek. And it means to throw something beyond target. That is, you want to kill a fly now. Let me give you what upabalu means. You want to kill a fly. And you have to bring a tractor to kill the fly. do you understand what i'm saying you want to kill a fly here just a little insect here and you have to bring a tractor just one not uh, you have to bring a tractor to kill it like you know that's throwing beyond target right that's upa that means that so it says the exceeding greatness the exceeding greatness there is from the word upa in the greek and it means to throw beyond target so when he use the word greatness Greatness there is from the word megathos, that is height of heights, height of heights. So, when it says according to the working of the effectual working, the effectual working, effectual working is from the word energy, that is something that is effective, something that is effective. When it says mighty power, the word mighty there is from the Greek word crackthos. It means strength that is consecrated in one place. Then when it says mighty power, issues that is forceful in display. Now I'm going to explain it. I'm going to explain it very soon. I'm going to explain it now. Now, so the kind of power that so what Jesus or what Paul was explaining in this text means that there is a mighty power that wrought that was wrought out Paul the resurrection of Christ. And I say it this way: I say God displays. The exceeding is like saying God finished his entire power to raise Jesus from the dead. The whole of the power, you know, with all of us in this world, in fact, even, even all religious believe that God is powerful. Everybody believes that God is powerful, right? Now, so God used that mightiness of his power to raise Jesus from the dead. It's like saying he finished his power. Let me tell you what you say. It's like saying you are playing, um, let's say like it's like saying you are playing card games or you are playing um you are playing card games and you and you have that card and you say last card, last card, last card, last card. The last card of God was his entire power. And he needed to raise Jesus from the dead. How many of you are here? I don't know if you are in service. I don't know you are following me to this point. Yes. Alright, cool. The last card of God's power was to raise Jesus from the dead. So, meaning, if Christ did not raise Jesus from the dead, the power of God has been rendered useless. You and I today will not have said, God is powerful. I don't know if you are getting me, guys. Yes, sir. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, you and I will not have the audacity to say, Christ is powerful. Or oh, God is powerful. He used, look at what he says. He says, and what, look, look at in verse 19, Ephesians 1. Look at in verse 19, Ephesians 1. Let's, let's read it together as a church. Are you, are you there, everybody? Are you there, everybody, guys? Yes, sir. There's a sound that's so cold. Is it because of the snow outside and the cold? Everybody's just feeling quiet and just feelings, feeling holy. If you don't want us to be doing stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. You better let's respond. <laughs> Praise, God. <laughs> Praise God! All right, let's let's look at it in verse nineteen, Ephesians one, Ephesians one, verse nineteen. Don't forget, we are studying what dominion, taking your place in Christ. So look at it in verse nineteen. It says, "What is what? The exceeding greatness of His power to what? Who believe according to the working of His mighty power? What did He do? Which He wrought where in Christ when He raised Him from the dead." So, look at something, guys. He used his entire power. God used the all of everything he had to raise Christ from the dead. So, let me tell you. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul told us, if Christ be not raised from the dead, we are yet in our sins. And our salvation, our faith is there. So, he used the exceeding that word exceeding it means upabalu. I told you upabalu means to throw beyond target, right? Yes, so that shows that. And I explain what upabalu means. Like say you have an insect here and you have to use a tractor. Or let's say you want to um take, let's say, you want to take this microphone now from here, and you have to drive your car into the store into this pulpit to pick the microphone. You know, that's super value. (laughs) That's train beyond target. So that the car, then you now reverse your car and if your car has those elevated stuff to lift just this one microphone into your car, that's super value. Train beyond target. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God used the exceeding, the everything he had. So that's why, let me tell you something. The resurrection is very important in your understanding of salvation. Because if you don't understand the resurrection, you would understand why you are a Christian. The resurrection is a very important fact in your understanding of salvation. So, don't forget I told you knowledge is very key, right? Yes, sir. So, when he says mighty power, he says according to the working of his mighty power. That word mighty power issues in the Greek. Forceful in display, that is the power was very forceful. So the kind of power is that power that eats you very well. And that's the power that you and I now have as a Christian. we? to go yeah. Ha! You don't get it. That is the look at what it says. He says, he has wrought in Christ when he raises from the dead, set him as so far at his own right hand. We're gonna get them. So the resources is in Christ. When he says he wrote, that he's effectively worked in Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus for me, the resurrection of Jesus was more for me than for Jesus. Because he doesn't need the resurrection to wake up. I am the one who is a sinner. I am the one who was a sinner, that if he didn't wake up, I'm, still, I'm going to perish in my sins. So if Jesus didn't need the resurrection, I am the one that needed it. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. The resurrection was more for you and I than for him. Is he here on the earth today? No. He is seated far above all principalities above and powers, just looking at us. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the resurrection is more for us than for him. So those resources are for the believer. So, all that needs to happen is you just need to find out. You need to find out what has God done in Christ Jesus for you. What has he done? Where where do you stand? How are you a Christian and you don't know your authority, your dominion, and you don't know how to take your place in Christ? Look at the difference between Lazarus and Jesus. Lazarus died four days and four nights. Jesus died three days and three nights. Lazarus died because he was sick. Jesus died because he wanted to die. Hallelujah. Lazarus died again. But Jesus is alive forevermore. Glory to God. Are you seeing what is happening? So, the resurrection is more for you than for him. So, he came out from the dead. And how did he come out from the dead? He came out of the dead more glorious. Jesus came out of the dead more glorious, more glorious, more glorious. He says, having poised principalities apart, he says, he made sure of them openly, triumphing over them. He has poised principalities apart. For whose sake? For your sake. Not for his sake. For your sake. So that shows you and I have to find out what has God done upon his resurrection for us. You know, we will say we are saved, right? Everybody is born again, right? We are saved. We are, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We, we are sanctified. But it doesn't stop there. There are things that God has done. I'm just showing you now that he used all, all his power to raise Jesus from the dead. And it is for your sake. And that power now, because of the resurrection, is now made available to you. That power he used to raise Jesus from the dead is now in you. The power at work in you. Don't wait, don't go to God. The power is now in you. So what are you doing with the power? Many of you are just sleeping, eating pizza, drinking with the power. Not knowing you are that powerful. Something that caused Jesus' is life is now with you and you are not doing anything about it. Well, that's why we are studying. Go with oh. So Jesus rose from the dead more powerful. Look at Hebrews 2: verse 14. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Let's go there quickly. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Are you there? Hebrews 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 verse 14, you should be dead, right? So he rose from the dead more powerful, more glorious. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 14. He says, For as much dead as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, let's read it together, he also himself, one to ready go, likewise, took part of the same, right? That true death, one too ready go, guys,
1: destroyed the power of death.
0: That, that is devil, the, devil. the devil. So, as it destroyed the power of death, yes, sir. Because he died. He has destroyed the power of death. That is the devil. So we are looking into his death. That word destroyed in the Greek is from the word category. It means to annul, to render powerless. It means like is let me explain it in literal terms. It means Jesus told the devil you are fired. You, you your your time is up here. Your card no longer works in this building. That's the literal meaning. That's the literal meaning of destroy. It means to annoy, to be fired. Categorio in the Greek. And look at what he says. He says, as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part in the same, that through death he might deliver, he might, he says, true death he might he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. Look at what he now says in verse 15. It says, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He says, we are partakers of it. When he says we are partakers, it's an inheritance. and inheritance means something you don't work for. You are not the one who went on the cross, right? You are not the one who was beaten, right? Okay. But you are now a Pathetic. and the inheritance with me. So m- many of you might not understand what the inheritance means, but for those of us who came from Africa, you will understand what the inheritance really mean. People literally fight for inheritance. People can kill you for inheritance. That land is my father's land. <laughs> uh, if you used to watch all these Bollywood movies, that land is my father's land. It's my inheritance. It's my property. And you will be fighting for it, something you did not work for. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, Hallelujah. Yes, that is exactly what has happened to us upon the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You and I have something we did not work for. Ephesians 2 verse 9. Look at what Jesus said, what Paul said in Ephesians 2 9. Ephesians 2 9. Look at it quickly. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. Look at it. Are you there? One, two, ready? Go. Let's read it together.
1: Okay. I'll wait for reason. you. I'll wait
0: for you. Let's, let's get there. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. Look at this. It's for by grace. One, two, ready. Go one, two, ready. Go. Let's read now. For by grace, ye are saved through faith, not I of yourselves, the of Verse 9. Not of works, that any man should boast. Not of works, that anyone should boast. Imagine it is of works we are saved. I'm sure, imagine, it is of works that we are saved. The rich will be saved. The poor will not be People like Elion who is said planning to go to Mass. Would have would have bought all of us salvation. <laughs> and we would just be begging him. Hallelujah. But it's not of works. Hallelujah. So, it is something we did not work for, right? That's an error. Something we did not work for. So, we have something we got from Jesus. And it is spiritual in nature. We have something we got from Jesus. And that thing is spiritual in nature. Look at in Matthew 28 verse 18. Matthew 28 verse 18. Look at what Jesus said there. Matthew 28 verse 18. Matthew 28 verse 18. So you and I, we have something that we got from Jesus, and it's something that is very spiritual in nature. It's an inheritance. Something we did not work for. In Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, And Jesus came and said unto him, saying, And now this is after the resurrection. He said, all power is given to unto me in what? In heaven and what? The earth. All power. All authority. Esousia in the Greek. All authority. Look at John 18, verse 36. John 18, verse 36. John 18, verse 36. Is this blessing somebody this morning? John 18, verse 36. Don't forget, we're just starting this series this morning and we're going to build on it as... Uh, We're going to be on on that series trial this month anyway. John 18 verse 36. He says, now, look at what Jesus told them here. He says, and Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, then would would my servants find that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from things. Now, look at what was happening here. And look at what was happening in the Jesus was telling them, My kingdom is not of this world. He says, If my kingdom is of this world, then would my servant fight? Now, this is when the pilots came to pick him. This was when the pilot came to pick him and said, Oh, you, you have done this, you have done that, you are going, we are going to kill you today. And Jesus said, See guys, my kingdom is not of this world. Because now I want to build on this I want to build on this to make you understand something very very, very quickly. Now all kind of power all kind of power that Jesus wrought is available to the church, and that power is not natural power. It is not natural power. Look at something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. I want all of you to look at it. Go to 1 Corinthians two verse seven. Everybody go to this place. Everybody, go to the scriptures and let's read it together because the first Corinthians 2 verse 8. First Corinthians 2 verse 8. I want us to read it together. I'll wait for you. First Corinthians 2 verse 8. Are you there? Let's read it together. Once you're ready, go.
1: Which none of the princes of this world
0: are new? It this for, for if they I have mean, known, they will if not have, have crucified, crucified the, Lord the Lord of glory. glory. Now, it says, The princes of this world. Don't forget, what was Jesus saying in John, John 18 verse 26 that we just read? It says, my kingdom is not of this world, right? Yes, and Jesus, now Paul is saying, if the devil knew, if the priests of this world have known it, they will not have crucified me. <laughs> I'm coming. Look at in Ephesians 6 verse 12. I'm coming. I want to explain something to you. Ephesians 6 verse 12. I want to show you how the devil operates. Ephesians 6 verse 4. Because sometimes we need to look at things like this, right? I think we glorify the devil so much in our church. Such that we're given It looks like the church now gives the devil much power. And that's very terrible. Look at Ephesians 6 verse twelve. He says, for we wrestle what not. Look at it. Let's read it together. For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness. He used this... He used this statement, this word. Are you seeing it? Yes. Jesus used it in John 18, verse 36, right? Yes, Paul used it in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. He says, if the princes of this world have known it, right? Now, in Ephesians 6, verse 8, it says, we are not fighting against the rulers of this world. It says, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Look at Luke 22, verse 53. Showing, you. I want, I want us to, because one thing about the revelation of Christ is once you have revelation and see who the devil truly is, I tell you, you the devil can never, never, never have authority over you again. Look at Luke twenty-two, verse fifty-three. Look at Luke twenty. This was when they wanted to kill Jesus. Are you there? Is yeah. everybody there? Yeah. Can we read it together? He says, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. He says, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. (laughs) Jesus was saying, when I was in the temple, you couldn't have touched me. It's not possible. That was was what Jesus was saying. And you must understand it very clearly. Don't forget, what are we studying again? Taking your place in Christ. Dominion. Jesus told them, see, when I was in the temple, you could not have touched me. It's not possible. He now told them, he said, but this is now your hour, the power of darkness. Because now it's time for me to die. It's time for you to do your work. Now, look at something. So, now, when he says rulers of this world, he's referring to physical rulers of this world. Presidents, governments, mayors, um in their own world, pilots, Herod, kings, that's their own word, the Bible word now. But if you want to turn it to our own world, we can say your boss at work. <laughs> they are the rulers of this world. Now, so when you see pilots in the natural, so what was Pilate doing? Pilate In the natural was using his authority in the natural to execute Jesus, but it was beyond the natural. So, how does the devil rule? He rules through their fears of men, especially men in high places. Men who are not saved, he walks through their fears. I, if you are sleeping sleep now <laughs> because i want you to pay attention so you will see pilate now do you know that you and i can tell you as you are studying the scripture what did jesus do nothing just preach it right yes. he, people can say he was trying to turn the government, trying to do it. pilate had to come and use his authority on him but that was beyond natural. That was why nobody on the street could naturally have picked him up. They needed somebody of an higher power to do it. So what happened? So the devil had to walk through Pilate. So when Jesus would say, but this is your hour and the power of darkness, was he referring to the physicality of Pilate? No. He knew he was talking to the devil. So when he. Now go back to that John 18, verse 36. Go back to that John 18, verse 36. So beyond the princes of this world is the spiritual power. Beyond the princes of this world is spiritual power. Look at John 18, verse 36. Go there again. John 18, verse 36. He says, But Jesus answered and said to them. Now, don't forget, they they were saying, they were asking him questions here. But Jesus answered and said unto them, he says, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then how would then would my servants fight?" Peter brought out a sword, trying to. How can a sword defeat how many soldiers? A sword could not have defeated all the soldiers. Peter was trying to cut off here; they would have killed him. But Jesus was saying, "My kingdom is not of this world." That was why he said, "Calm down! Don't you think I have legions of angels who could have made this guy sawdust?" <laughs> Let me use that word. Even angels could do it. They would have told them to saw those. You know, they came to Jesus and Jesus said, they said, who are you? He said, I am he. And all of them fell down under the power of God. Thousands of them who came to arrest him. So if He really wanted to do something, he would have done it. But he was telling them, my kingdom is not of this world. He says that I should be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from him. Pilate therefore asked answer. and said, Jesus said, are you a king then? You know, it was a confrontation. Who are you? Are you trying to say you are a king? And Jesus answered and said in verse 19, in verse 37. He says, thou seest that I am a king, to the end I was born, and for this cause I came unto the world, that I should bear witness of the truth, and that everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. That's not the bulk of our conversation. So, beyond the priests of this world, is spiritual power. Look at it. John 12, verse 28. John 12, verse 28. John 12, verse 28. John 12, verse 28. He says, Father, glorify thy name. He now says, look, look at it. Look, if you read from 28, Father, glorify thy name. But look down at verse 31. He says, look down at verse 31. He says, but, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Since the prince of this world will be cast out. So now, but don't get careless of something. So, now, evil power works through men. So, how will the devil execute his power? He will walk through men. Evil power is wrought through men. Pay attention very carefully. Through men especially men who have not believed the gospel. But don't get careless to think that Satan rules the world. Satan doesn't rule the world. Because a lot of of us have had the assumption that Satan rules the world in the sense that he has charge over everything in the world. No! The world ruler and and the world world can be explained. And we're going to see it as we proceed in this series. So People think Satan is in charge of all the kingdoms and all and so people we'll think that Satan was in charge of all the kingdoms, but uh, but uh, but that man was in charge of all the kingdoms, but the devil collected it. That's a wrong assumption. We're gonna to settle to it in this series. Kingdom is from the word basileia in the Greek, it means rule and reign. Rule and reign in Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28. Look at what God did. In Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28, he said, he said, and God said, let us make man. Don't forget, we are we are doing, we, we're studying what? We're studying what? Dominion, taking your place in Christ. All right. So he says, and look at what he says, and God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, let them do what? Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth in all the earth. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves in the earth. You see in Psalm 8. You see a repeat of that in Psalm 8. I'm trying to walk you through something to see that your authority and how to take your place in Christ. And not just be dormant. Look at in in in, um, in in Psalm 8. In Psalm 8, he says, Psalm 8 verse 4. He says, What is mine? He was repeating Genesis story here again. What is man? That thou art mindful of him. And the son of man that thou visited him. He says, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And thou hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion. So man has been made to have dominion over the work of thy hands. And put all things under his feet. He says he has put all things under his feet. Look at Hebrews 6. And Jesus is the image of God. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 6. Hebrews 2 verse 6. Don't forget, we're just laying a foundation this morning. We're going to build on it throughout this month. Hallelujah.
1: Praise
0: Hebrews 2, verse 6. But what but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man? That thou art mindful of him, or the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. Thou didst see the work of the hands he has put all things in subjection under his feet. For in for in that he has put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But in verse 9 it says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for suffering of death, crowned with glory, honor, that by the grace of God he should taste death for what? Every. For every man. For he has become him, whom all things, and whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, and to make them the captain of their salvation, perfect true suffering. In verse 11 it says, For both things that are sanctified, and both things that are sanctified, are all of on one. For this cause, Jesus is not ashamed to call you and I brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the image of God. So, don't forget again. The devil doesn't own the world. Are you getting what I'm saying?
1: Yes, sir.
0: The devil, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord and the fullness nets the earth. In, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 26, you will find it here. The earth does not belong to the devil. The earth belongs to God. So, what is available to all is spiritual. What is available to us on the earth yeah, is for all of us. Because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. He belongs to God. You will find you will see people say, You look, 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 at something. So that's why you cannot say you can't use um, Christianity as a yastic for being rich or being poor. Begates is an atheist and he says he doesn't believe in God. Yes, it's he is a fool anyway because he doesn't believe in God, but it doesn't mean that he is not rich physically, but he God owns everything. In the head. God gave him the microsoft. You don't know? Did he have did he come with microsoft when he was born? He found it here on earth. Did you come with um, play, um aeroplane when you were born? Every baby came empty, right?
1: Yes, so they
0: found everything on earth. Did you find did the person who made this puppy found brought the puppy from the mother's womb? No. Sir. So everything is on earth. So the earth is the Lord. So, who blessed Biggs? God! Who blessed Jeff Bezos? God! Who blessed um, Elion Moss? God! Are you getting what I'm saying? Whatever they are using to say, to create Tesla or to do whatever, they found all the resources here on earth. And the earth does what? Belongs to God. Are you getting what I'm saying? The earth belongs to God. So, he's a fool that says there is no God. Only a fool says there's no God. You came empty-handed and you met all the raw materials on earth. You don't understand. Look at the greatness of God. Every baby, every child was born empty-handed. Everybody will cry. You will, they will beat them. They could not walk for a while. And all the resources, our clothes was already on it. Our chairs that we are sitting on was already on desert. Our water we are drinking was already on this head. The food we are eating was already on this um, The car we drove. All the resources to make the car was already on this head. And you say there is no God. You must be a fool. Are you getting what I'm saying? The head belongs to God. Hallelujah. So money belongs to God. <laughs> what if he loves so? Say the, the money is the devil's So shut up. Give me the money. money. <laughs> he belongs to God. God wants you to be wealthy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, but look at the devil. The devil's kingdom. Look at how the devil operates. Ephesians two verse one. So, have we clarified it now yes, that sir. the devil does not own the earth, right? Yes, right? Yes, sir. The devil does not own this earth the head is the Lord. So, does the devil own Rochester? No, sir. Mm-hmm. Does the devil own New York? No, sir. Does the devil own America? No, sir. No. is for, for God. So, but how does the devil operate? How does his kingdom operate? Ephesians 2 verse 1. Let's look at it. Let's see it there. How does he operate? How does he find his expressions in the head that God created? How does he find it? Look at it in Ephesians 2 verse 1. Are you there, guys? Let's, I want to read it now. It says, And you are the quickened. You who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power, all right? The power of the year, and the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So the kingdom of the devil is in man. The kingdom of the devil is in man. He says, among whom we all have our conversations in time past, in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the, of the flesh of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as unto others. So the kingdom of the devil is in men. Look at the 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 4. Let's see how the devil finds his expression in the earth that God created. Look at let can start from verse 3. Or we can start from verse 2. Second Corinthians 4. It says, For we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handing the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, condemning ourselves to every man conscious at the sight of God. Verse 3 now says, But if our gospel be he, it is he to them who are lost. It says, In whom the God of this world. Are you seeing it? So you see that word now can be clear, can be classified, right? We're going to study this series. I think I've taught that before. In Eon, it doesn't mean the entire world. What can mean the social media world? Right? The group of people world. Now you get what I'm saying? It can be really classified. It doesn't mean that the God, the devil is the owner of the world. No. The world, when he says the world, is the heart of men. The hearts of men who has not believed the gospel. You see in Romans 5, verse 20, the, Romans 5, verse 12. Romans 5, 12. Romans 5, verse 12. Are you paying attention this morning? Yes, sir. Are you learning something? Yes, sir. Romans 5, verse 12. He says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death passed by sin, and death and death by sin, and so sin passed upon all men that have sinned." He says until the Lord's sin was not there, but in verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. That word reign is, is the word kingdom, dominion. It reigned. So, God didn't give anyone the kingdom of darkness and sin. God did not give anyone that. Men only chose that aspect. But thank God, we're going to light up more dark places, right? Yes. Win the hearts of men win more hearts for Jesus, amen. Mm -hmm. So Satan, so in the forgiveness of sins, back to our conversation, in the forgiveness of sins, Satan has been stripped off of every authority he has. Satan has been stripped off of every power he has. According or by the reason of the resurrection, that we have obtained redemption, we've obtained forgiveness of sins, Satan has been stripped off because you've been made righteous. So Satan has nothing on you as a believer. Satan has nothing, nothing on you. He has. So the only person he has any hold on. Let me tell you, everybody look at me, guys. The only person or the only people Satan has a hold on are those who have not believed the gospel. He is still ruling and reigning in their hearts. He can deal with them the way he wants to deal with them. They can force him the way they want to force they can. He can destroy and chatter their entire life. But you who have believed the gospel, Satan has nothing on you. Because when he comes to you, he sees the blood. When he comes to you, he sees a man who is washed. When he comes to you, he sees a man who is righteous. When he comes to you, he sees a man who went through the same thing that Christ went through, because the Bible made us to understand that by reason of identification, we died with Christ, we were buried with Him, and we rose with Him. So when Satan sees you, he is not seeing you in the eyes of indigent. No, he is seeing you like Jesus. Hallelujah! So he's actually let me tell you. Satan is very scared of the believer today but the problem is a lot of believers don't know who they are a lot of believers don't know who they are Satan is super scared of the believer today because the believer is a reflection of Jesus I taught you in Legend of the Light I said that when you believe the gospel you are in the image of God right so that shows you have taken Christ's faith form, you have taken Christ's image, you have taken Christ's shape in the spirit. So when Satan comes near you and look at you, he is not seeing you as yourself; he is seeing Jesus. Is he scared of Jesus? Is Satan scared of Jesus? Yes. He is. That is who the believer is today. So nothing, nothing absolutely nothing can trample under you because you have the authority to step under everything. Hallelujah. So, Satan has nothing on you. The only person he has anything on is the man who has not believed the gospel. Satan has nothing on you. Like I told you before, money also does not belong to the devil. You know that. So, you need money, right? Right. Right? Yes. Because you are in this world. God owns this world, right? Yes. So you can pray for money to come, right? Yes. Oh yeah. We need it. Good things belong to God. Good things belong to God. The devil's authority is in the heart of men. The devil, somebody will say, what about sin? Sin is not a family business. Sin is not, is never against the devil. Sin is, is, is against God. Okay, what about sin? He forgave us so that we can relate with Him. God has forgiven us in Christ so that we can relate with Him. So sin is not a family business. Satan cannot be, So that's why you must not fall into the trap of condemnation I say, um, yesterday night I, I just did something. You should not do something. But when, if you find yourself making a mistake, never fall into the trap of the devil with condemnation. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, because sin now is not a family business. My father will take care of it. How many of you have parents, loving parents, that once you make a mistake, you can easily roll back to them and say, I messed up here. How many of you have that, those kind of parents? Oh, you, you're lucky, man. When I was much younger, <laughs> if I messed up, <laughs> I'm in trouble. But you, I mean, you guys have. Everybody. I'm trying to be careful because my father is going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <they'll> say, hey. <laughs> so what are you trying to say? Hallelujah. <laughs> like, yes, Praise God. You know? But imagine. Imagine. You have that. Once you mess up, you can easily run back to your father, right? And you can just say, oh, I messed up here. That is how sin is now to you as a believer. God will clean it up for you. So, don't let the devil put that in your mind, such that when you are now praying, the next thing you are saying is, oh Lord, the sin of omission, commission and a correction. Forgive me. Sin in my thoughts, sin in my thinking, sin in my doing, even sin in my dream. And you are just condemned. They say, speak over your health." you remember? If you take anything in the pot and something, something will happen to you. No, nothing will happen to you. Hallelujah. Jesus has forgiven us all. Our past, our present, our future. Glory to God. God. We are forgiving. We are accepted in the below. We are, it's in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 29, he says, look at what Jesus said. He says, he became sin. He who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we are taken in place. We are taking his place in salvation. Remember what we are studying is taking your place in Christ, right? So he has forgiven us. So sin has nothing to do with the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? Sin has nothing to do with the devil. So you must know who you are. Hallelujah. You must know who you are. Now go back to that Ephesians 1. Let's try to start putting some things and gathering some things to a close now. Are you blessed? Yes, sir. You, are you enjoying this? Look at Ephesians 1. We say, look at where we started from. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may do what? May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We said revelation, right? Yes. Epignosis, right? Yes, and we said, you must understand, right? We looked at knowledge, right? Yes, sir. And we said that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened. That you will know the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of the earth and the saints? Then we said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us who do believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrote in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, far above all, look at what it says, far above all, principalities, power, that is where we are going to in this series, principalities, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, and not only in this world, look at it, and it says, and even in that which is to come, see, Meaning, you can never be powerless again. Glory to God. Glory to God. He has rendered the devil useless. You can, see, you can never. It is, a, it is an insult to, to, be say, to be begging God and say, God, please, tell the devil to leave my life alone. Ha! Ah, such an insult. Such an insult. Because you don't know what you have. Imagine, you are sick and you are crying. It's because you don't know what you have. You take authority. You devil. Right now your time is up. Get your hands off this body. Now! That's it. You don't have to beg. He says he has made us kings and priests. Hallelujah. In Revelation 1, he says he has made us kings and priests. What does a king do? A king just commands things and he calls. Look at the parable of the, look at what the centurion sermon said to Jesus. He says, I have one who comes under me and I say, one should go, one should come. He said, You don't need to come to my house. Just speak your word. And the Bible says, At that very minute, as Jesus spoke the word, he was healed. And Jesus said, I have not found such a great faith in Israel. So he says he has set him. That word set him in verse 20 there is the word kathesis in the Greek. That means he has settled it permanently. Oh, we know God. No, really. He has settled it permanently. So Jesus is permanently here. He put him, so he has set him at his own right hand. Right hand is not like how we see it, like say, this is my right hand man. That's not it, though. That's not it. You know, Yoruba will say, Yor... no, that's not it. Like right hand man. No, 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 no. Right hand means to delegate all to another. To delegate all to another. he says he has set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That word heavenly places there. You will see that it is italicized in the Greek. That means it is not original. You will see another um, italicized word in heavenly places in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Look at it quickly. Everyly places. You see that it was italicized. Everyly places, Ephesians 1 verse 3. Look at in verse 22, heavenly places. Look at in Ephesians 3 verse 10. Just look around that Ephesians. Ephesians 3 verse 10. It says, To the intent that we may know the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Do you notice know that that places was italicized? For some of you that are using King James, when you see italicized there, it simply means it is not in the original. Look at in Ephesians 6 verse 12. Ephesians six verse, he says, spiritual wickedness in what high places. So you see that it's not inter- it's it's italicized. And when when King James used an italicized word, it means it is not in the original of the scripture. You get what I'm saying? They, it means that the translators added it. So when so that word heavenly means in the spirit, in the spirit. So because Jesus cannot be seated in heavenly places like share different chairs. No. It just means he is seated in the evilies. heavenly in the Greek, in the Greek uranos that is immaterial world. Jesus is in the immaterial world. So Jesus is not seated in heavenly places because heavenly places or heavenly means in the spirit. Does that make sense to somebody? Just exactly. Okay, good. So the resources of Christ's sacrifice is given to the church today. Is given to the church today. As so I begin to close now. The resources of Christ's sacrifice is given to the church today. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you are saved, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, lest any man should go. So it is given to you and I freely. Your authority, your power is given to you freely. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? It's given. Genesis 3, 15. Look at Genesis 3, verse 15. Genesis 3, 15, quickly. Genesis 3.15 So we have stripped the devil of all the authority he has. We have stripped the devil. Jesus has done it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, I will put enmity. The prophecy has come to pass by the resurrection. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and thy seed and he shall bruise the head and thou shall bruise his ear. So you and I, we can bruise the heel of the devil again and again. He has been rendered useless by the reason of the resurrection. He says, having poised, principalities and power, he makes sure of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know what Jesus did? I, let me translate it in our today's world. Jesus used them to do comedy skits. Have <laughs> he finished them. Enough brought them to Diopua, the used them to do comedy skits. Glory <laughs> to God. Glory to God. He has treats, so he has given all the authority to the church. So that is why the book of James will say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you know why he can say that? Because you have the power to do it now. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because you have the power to do it now. So the most horrible prayer you can pray is to pray or to be talking to God that God should undo the that God should undo uh, say the devil for you. No, that's very horrible. He did it in Christ. He has given all the authority to the church. And Jesus received it to the church. First Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 9. Are you bland? Are you enjoying this? 1 yes, Peter 5, verse 8 to 9. As we begin to close this morning. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 9. Are you there? 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 9. He says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about doing what? Seeketh whom he may devour. But well, look at what it says. Whom resisted part in faith. You can resist in God. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So the believer resources are in his possessions to use. The power that God has given us and in our possessions to use it. If you did not do anything about it, God cannot do anything. If you don't use your authority, God cannot do anything. In Romans 5, verse 17, it says, sin ring from Adam, that word ring, it means to exercise your authority. When it, when it says reign, it means to exercise authority. Exercise your authority. So the believer has authority over them. Say I have. I have. You not sound like you mean it. I have authority, authority, authority over them. Over the devil. So he has made us kings. Kings. What does a king do? A king reign. A king discharges duties. You must use your authority. You must use your authority. Because see, let me tell you guys, we have an ever active devil. Ever. If you step out of church today, the devil does not mean you good. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. We have an ever active devil. But you know what? We have our authority always, that we can always use. So you see, The authority of the believer is necessary. The believer must put it to charge. Look at Luke 10, verse 19. Luke 10, verse 19. I'll share a story of Kenneth Hilligan with you. I read this. I read something about him some years ago, many some years ago. And he said he was in a vision and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told him, and he was having. He was having a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ in the vision. And the devil came around just moving. And he just kept thinking to himself, Jesus will do something. Jesus will do something. And, you know, so when the devil was, the demon was disturbing the vision and everything, he you now asked Jesus, can't you do something? Jesus said, no. It is now your own work to do it. I've done my own on the resurrection. You are the one who will take authority now. So he said, oh wow. So he said, You devil, get out. And that was it. So you need to know how to use your authority. In Luke 10, verse 19, he says, view. Look at verse 18. Let's start from verse 18. Let's read it together. One, two, go One, two, ready go, verse 18. And he said unto them, I hear Satan as lightning. Like Fall. Verse 19. I said, "Behold, I do what. I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, over the power of the enemy. And what's happen? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Can you say that confidently to yourself? That nothing shall by any means me. You know, nothing shall by any means me means I don't have accidents, right? Nothing shall by any means hurt me means I don't have calamities on my parts." I don't fall into victims and circumstances. I don't have evil reports in my life. Sickness has no hold on me. You know, that is how to use your authority. Once you see a challenge, just use your authority and speak and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you the devil to get out. He will listen. Because he has been defeated. Because he knows that you know who you are. Hallelujah. Christ Hallelujah. Christ when it says <coughs> give you power to tread upon Sabbath as God. That word tread means to keep in check, like to stay there. When it says to trample. That word trample there in Psalm 91, verse 13. This scripture was taken from Psalm 91, verse 13. To trample means to take over, to take action over it. So the believer ought to be dealing with the devil what? Regularly. Because I told you, the devil is ever active, right? Yes, sir. Ever. Looking for who to devolve. Looking for circumstances to change. Looking for situations. Looking for things. Looking for how to see your downfall. Looking for how to see you weep, cry. You know what the Bible says? in the, in the in, What the Bible says? It says, the thief commenced not but to steal, to do all, to kill and to do all, to destroy. See, let me tell you. I don't know why people pity the devil, but I have made a vow to my life. I will never do it. Because see, the devil's aim for you is that he's going to start gradually till you see you dead. It is when you are dead, you will move to the next candidate. So are you going to wait till you are dead before you start using your authority? Yes. Take charge of it now. Sickness, headaches, you start from even headache. Don't commonize it and say, Let me go and use that thing. No! Don't do that. Start by saying, You headache, it's enough. You migraine, it's enough. Get out. Are you getting what I'm saying? You speak over your finances. In the name of Jesus, my businesses is prospering. In the name of Jesus, my business is prospering. In the name of Jesus, I am flourishing. I am advancing. In the name of Jesus, I am moving in. I am moving higher. In my academics, my mental faculties is being receptive to my academics. In my, my academics is prospering. You use your authority, you use your words. In the name of Jesus, he has given us his name higher than any other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Hallelujah. Let's be on our feet, everybody. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I want you to get into a speaking section. Lift your voice loud and clear and speak over situations in your life. In the name of Jesus, I take my place in Christ. In the name of Jesus, I call you sickness you are over. In the name of Jesus, that jaw restriction is over. In the name of Jesus, whatever has every to a spot is gone. You use your words now, and you speak, and you will see results. I speak over you as a church. Nothing shall by any means you. Lift your voice this morning. See, because a believer who just got born again today is as powerful as the believer who had been born again many years ago but you just have to use your authority i take my place in christ lift your voice lift your voice this morning lift your voice this morning and just pray